Welcome to the Prairie Fire Fire Podcast, another episode. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Captain Joel Richardson. Welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, no worries. So, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, today's conversation will be interesting. Um, Escambia County, you guys are known for uh, for catching a lot of work. And um, I think having individuals that work for the department for the right reason, focusing on what the mission of the fire department is, and that's um, to, to be somebody's, you know, best case scenario on their worst day is, is, is the best yeah. way to put it. So talk to me about your yeah. experience with, with Escambia and uh, how much has changed in the 20 years you've been there. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I work with some of, you know, having been able to go around to not just the state, but the rest of the country and go to conferences and stuff. And, you know, sometimes getting out of your own bubble, you see how good you have it. And I think that we work with, you know, we're a combination department. We have uh, around 300, 320, both Korean uh, volunteers. Um, we're growing now. We'll probably, as of next year, we'll have some around 230 career firefighters spread out over 660 square miles. Um, I've been there since 09. Before that, I was with Pensacola Fire Department for about six years, um, promoted to the rank of lieutenant, which is a driver, and then uh, followed some leadership and some other decisions to go out to the county. I was at the time getting my paramedic. Pensacola Fire wasn't ALS or is an ALS, and uh, I wanted to kind of explore that aspect of the medical side and, you know, in the future have other uh, positions available. So I went in 09. Um, I was with uh, a crew for three and a half years, got promoted to company officer, uh, which is a lieutenant in the county. Um, I worked at a beach station. I worked at an in-town, uh, lower income area, worked at the busiest station. And then uh, before I got promoted to the training division, I was in more of a suburban rural area um, as a firefighter or as a lieutenant paramedic. Um, I was able to uh, get promoted. Well, I took the acting position of a training captain. In December of 21, uh, the guy that had been there for numerous years was retiring, and uh, I saw it as an opportunity for a couple different things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to know the why, so I wanted to see how the other side of the department works, not just the operations. And with my love for, for training, I saw that there was possibly an opportunity to grow not just myself as an instructor, but also grow others to a level. And as you mentioned, kind of with the Scambia, we are known for going to a lot of fires. Um, we're the seventh busiest in the state for fires per capita. We also uh, run a fire about every 24.6 hours. Um, and, you know, we're growing to the point now where, you know, seat assignments and, uh, um, you know, truck assignments on arrival and all those things are really starting to pay off with the easy flow of our ability to, you know, mitigate uh, fires. Um, in a about an 18-month span, uh, a couple years ago, we pulled six people out of fires. And, uh, you know, we always will take the default aggressive mindset that there's somebody in there until proven otherwise. Um, we're not reckless. I know some guys like to call us uh, different. But, you know, when you when you put in the reps, you put in the training, you don't lose uh, the safety mindset. You are then able to be aggressive for those that were there to serve. So, um, you know, the training captain, um, we've been able to grow uh, the training division. We now have three training lieutenants that work for me. They work on uh, on shift. So I'm more of a facilitator and they're the moderators. So we give a topic. We all agree on it. We uh, give persistence across the board. They're also the safety officer. So they go to every fire also. And then, uh, you know, building the relationship between administration and the guys on the line. 
you know, they're based out of the station. Um, you know, they're the face of the training division. So we want to make sure that, that that relationship's there. So when they do have to give that message of, hey, man, put your gloves down or put your gloves on, come down off the roof, get out of the house. There's that 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 respect that comes with it, not just, oh, you know, the safety guy's telling me to do this. So um, we've had six acquired structures this year that we've been able to train in. Um, we have a great relationship with our, our neighbors and our, uh, our different um, communities. So the ability to present these different trainings right now, we have a residential house. Previously, we had uh, uh, three large churches that we were able to go into. There was a condo that we were able to go into and then also um, a parking garage at a large commercial uh, bank. And uh, so getting the guys out there and doing the training with that. And, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned so far about being the training officer is just, uh, you know, it's, it's don't take this out of context, but it's easier to ask for forgiveness sometimes. So going out and making those relationships in the community, you know, just sometimes it's the presentation. It's the, uh, you know, if your building catches fire, we want to be really good at making sure nobody's hurt and you don't lose any property. And when you present it like that, a lot of the liabilities of, you know, checks in the box and some of the other stuff goes away. And thankfully, you know, we've had a lot of good uh, interactions with that. So, um, but yeah, so I've been doing it now. We just have put, um, 14 cadets through fire Academy. We did a three week indoctrination class with them. We call it beyond minimum standards. And uh, we were able to use all those different acquired structures for them and uh, put them on the line where we have the, the same cultural mindset that, you know, at 701, when shift starts on their very first day, could be the, the worst call of their life when we want them to be ready. That's awesome, bro. I, I love a lot of what you just said. And, uh, We'll start from the beginning. Um, being a training officer in the training division is a completely different shift from, you know, being the company officer on the truck and having, you know, being in charge of a shift to now you're in charge of training for the department. As far as the Scambia goes, do you are you in charge of on duty training? Are you obviously you are are in charge of the recruits? I'm assuming you guys hire. Um, you you do all of that, or do you guys have separate positions for that? Yeah, so we were able to grow the training division. I work under a uh, division chief, um, and he's a very good boss by allowing us to kind of, you know, go try it out, figure if it works. We'll make adjustments, but he gives us the reins and lets us, you know, go with what we want. You know, if it's a uh, in-house or if it's, a, you know, going outside the classes, um, our logistics chief has really been able to uh, secure a lot of money for us to start going back out. You know, Escambia County back in 2015 was the fourth poorest county in the entire country. So usually your fire base and your tax base are inversely related. But um, but we, we had that. So uh, I run the monthly training for the department. So I send out things uh, and I might say the target solutions word and get some some down thumbs on that one. But the idea that it's supplemental to what we prioritize, which is the hands on training. So, again, we just set kind of a training calendar, what's available. Um, I get all three of my training lieutenants. Now they started in January. So we get them on board with it and just let them know, all right, here's the objectives, trying to get the objectives. And, and again, it's the idea that, you know, they're the ones that are out running the calls and seeing what needs to be done. So I try and make sure I get input from them of, you know, what are you guys seeing on these calls that we can do better at? And there's, there's little things and, you know, the kind of the focus I've had with them is we're good. I mean, we are a good department, but we can be better. So it's like, what are we doing good? What can we establish as the training division as the baseline and then from there, we can set the expectations higher. But we got to get everybody to the baseline first. And by no means is it a knock on any particular person, but we have a very diverse uh, department where we have everything from, 
you know, Perdido Key, where I was first assigned as a company officer, we had 53 high rises, uh, four people running those calls. And now before I left, there was four of us assigned to a company that was 60, 64 square miles. And there was four of us and it was mostly rural and some suburban neighborhoods. So we have a very diversified response area and being do so, I need to know how to be able to hook up to a standpipe, but I also need to know how to do an extended lay or a tender operation. So the training division, what we try and set is, all right, uh, you know, starting to get a hot time of year. What can we do in minimum quantities with hands-on and then supplement with other like state requirements, OSHA requirements, things like that of, you know, uh, medical training, um, company officer training, things like that. Um, one of the cool things I think that I was able to, to also do is we have six total battalion chiefs that work the line. We have two battalions, battalion two and battalion three. And I was able to do uh, what I call a leadership interview with them. So I just kind of like what we're doing. I just did a 10 question interview, sent it out to them and then just did a, a Microsoft Teams meeting with them, recorded it and then assigned it to the department. And simple things like, you know, what did you learn when you were fired? What did you learn as a company officer? What are things you could do better? Uh, where do you see the direction of the department going? And, and we got really good feedback on that based on the fact that these are guys that are respected, not just because of the position, but because they've done their time. You know, our department was organized in January of 2000 and we're pretty young, which also means that we have the ability to kind of establish, lay our rules, set our culture. And as we get the new guys in, we pretty much tell them this is our culture. This is who we are. Um, we expect you to join our culture. We don't expect you to change who you are. We expect you to understand that. Who we are is, is there's a reason why we are the way we are. We've had bad decisions that have cost, you know, buildings. We've had bad decisions that have cost lives. We've had two line of duty deaths in the last couple of years. And thankfully, I mean, for, for not to take out of context, thankfully, they weren't at fire scenes. Uh, one of them was a, an MBA where we know how dangerous that is. And another one was uh, one of our brothers this year who uh, had a heart condition that he didn't even know about it until he was a fireman. So, um, but we're trying to say that the biggest thing is, you know, we're still setting our culture coming from a department that had, you know, was established in 1810. And uh, I'm not sure how many friends in uh, St. Augustine watched this, but, you know, Pensacola was established before them. We just, you know, had four hurricanes blast us off the map. So <laughs> having a culture that was well established there and then coming to a county that was brand new, I saw the benefit of then being able to kind of set my own path. If I wanted to be a paramedic, I could be a paramedic. If I wanted to do hazmat, I ran the hazmat team for seven years. Uh, we have special operations. We have water rescue. So we have all these different career paths. So that's a lot of the appeal that we try and give these guys to is, I mean, if you don't like the water, you can go up and fight brush fires. If you like the water, you can go onto the beach. So, you know, I really feel like we've established a good culture. And I mean, you know, just from the reputation that we hear just across the state and the region, and we've got very good advocates that go out and teach other places and kind of show people what we are. By no means are we perfect, but we're still growing. And I think all of us want the target of being the best department. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've heard nothing but amazing things. Um, obviously, I know you. I got hired with a guy that's a complete stud. Um, most people know Chief Ike, obviously. And um, there's nothing but passionate individuals that I've met that work for Escambia. And um, coming from Marion County, which is a, a department that, you know, I think catches a lot of work as well, um, but is less paid than departments in South Florida. Um, I, I had the opportunity to work with people that – just love the job, man. They love the job and they're not there to make money. They make money on their days off, right? Um, they're there because they want to be firefighters. They want to help people. And they're truly driven to just be the best firefighters they can be every day and just grow from there. So 
I love it, man. I, I and I miss Marion. I miss the guys, um, and I miss the the, the culture because the culture is different in every agency. And yeah, it, it, like you said, man, it's it's amazing that I didn't know Scambia was founded in t- two thousand. I thought. I thought the '90s, you know what I mean. That's that's crazy. So you guys still are molding your way. And I was talking to a buddy the other day. We were talking just about older city departments and how there's levels to it, right? There's levels to a city of Miami compared to a city of Jacksonville, and then a city of Jacksonville compared to FDNY, right? Like just it just goes to show you that like the longer the department's been around, the more mistakes have been made. Unfortunately. More people have died, um, and, and it's one of those things that it's an amazing thing to be a part of that cultural change that, that you're doing. And you said something about yeah. uh, acquired structures. Does your training division have just that, a divi- an actual like place where you guys train, or are you guys always go into acquired structures? Um, how, how does it work up in Escambia? Yeah, that's a good question because I know a lot of people are shying away from acquired structures these days, especially for burning. And, you know, you're a Florida fireman, too. So we know that, unfortunately, what happened back in, you know, the mid 2000s with uh, Mickles and Beg and some of the other brothers that that passed away from live fire training. A lot of people think that we were kind of like thrown on restriction because of it. And there there are definitely some restrictions. Um, you know, I was early enough, even though the NFPA live fire standard didn't come well it came out in the the mid 80s we really didn't do it very much because we are you know the state of florida was kind of growing it was a a national movement but you know i was able to do the fires where we had the foam and we had the other uh you know the sweet mix with uh gasoline and diesel and kerosene some other stuff but the acquired structure aspect is is like we should be training for objectives you know not not every fire has to be or not every training event has to be a, a live fire it's great to have them. It works out for ISO ratings. It works out for, you know, the true test. And, uh, you know, we the, the structure we're doing now, we're doing search and rescue and VES. Um, so with that, it's like we, we've had failures during the training. And the best part about training acquired structure, it's not a box. It's not a connex. It's not a concrete building. So when you see it, you, it's more relatable to a true home in Escambia County, which is our community that we serve. So with the acquired structures, this one just pretty much fell on our lap. The other one we kind of went and, and, and asked for. But the the idea, though, with the acquired structure is you have to set uh, the crawl, walk, run, and you also have to set the objective. So you train to the objective. The objective is search and rescue. You don't have to search and rescue under live fire. Um, we just received, uh, we just purchased some shield protectors from a company called BA Shields. And uh, we've used them for two days now. And all four companies that have gone through have got great reviews on the ability for the uh, the mass to be kind of like the bisqueen, but you're able to see kind of shapes, but not particulars. So it has that ability. Um, a few years ago, uh, we had one of our brothers, um, Paul McCleary, uh, suffered a, uh, a cardiac arrest during a training and a survival training in a strip mall that we were doing. And one of the findings that we found, he's fine, by the way, he's doing great. He's back on the line. It was a uh, positional asphyxia when he was going through. Um, he kind of just the maneuvering the the uh, the obstacle kind of just compressed on his chest, wedging him up too much. Well, we're using uh, the theater smoke. Well, the instructors had thermals and they're sitting there watching the guys and they're thinking, oh, well, he's I mean, he's a 20 plus year guy. Oh, he's just working his way through it. Uh, come to find out he was actually turning blue and, uh, and, and passing out and stuff. And one of the findings that we found uh, from the after action uh, analysis was we have to have a better way to watch these guys in these types of buildings. So that's when we found the the shields that we can put them over. 
Uh, the other good part is I know you preach a lot of the, the mindset, you know, going into the pain cave and stuff is the idea that if I do have somebody that doesn't realize they're claustrophobic till they're in that position, they're not going to freak out. I, as an instructor, can sit there and, you know, pop it loose, talk to them, get face to face with them, kind of talk them down in order to continue the objective that we're doing. So, you know, right now we're doing uh, the search and rescue part and then we're going to move into a uh, single company, you know, uh, first arrival, second arrival. Uh, you know, Chief Ike's made very famous our, our common tactic of booster backup. So we have the ability of, you know, uh, 750 and 750 that's 1500 gallons. A majority of your fires, that's what you need. Um, right. You know, the, the, the lot of places put the priority on uh, unspecific things. We need water before we go in. No, if there's a victim there, we're going to give them a chance and to protect us. You know, the old verbiage, too, of putting a line between the victim and the fire. Well, if you're worried about laying a line, then you've defeated the purpose of who you're there to serve. You're not there to serve the water company. You're there to serve the victim. So the idea that we're trying to enforce is everybody comes to the baseline. We train based on objectives and then acquire structures. We can culminate at that point of a live fire interior. But there's other ways that we can get good quality training with it. Um, you know, the guys training in gear, uh, we are full advocates of that. We just had a three day heat wave up here. And I say heat wave. I know you South Florida boys get a lot worse than we do, um, but we have all that humidity, too. But the uh, we, we just canceled it for three days and what was very encouraging was one of my training lieutenant was still going around and, you know, making contact and going out to the stations. There are still guys out stretching lines, doing training, going to water rescue, all this other stuff. So even though we as a formal training division canceled the training, we have that mindset of every day is a training day. And we went out there and made sure that those guys were doing it on their own. So, and again, that's comes back to that culture where we put, you know, the, the emphasis on being ready for whatever happens. And, you know, it's, it's, it's ironic that there's times we get just really, really weird calls. Um, you know, we had a, a hundred year flood and then a week later we had a jail explode a couple of years ago. You know, that, that doesn't happen in most places. So we're exposed to a lot of things, but you know, in those situations, you can't ever train. I mean, other than maybe your promotional test, you're not going to have a jail explosion as part of your scenarios. So right. the ability to then come back and say, all right, well, what did we do? How did we do it? And the other good thing about growing our training division was that now the safety officer, so the guy that's on shift, my, my training lieutenant, um, they do the after action review. So any significant injury, anything that went more than a first alarm, and anything that had a significant event, such as a mayday or a, um, a rescue or anything like that, we do an after action because if we can't admit where we did things that were wrong, then we can never be better. So, and again, it goes back to that mindset that we've been trying to push is we're good, but let's be best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the department you work for, it's, it's amazing because you, you just said it, you have an array of responsibilities in regards to, you know, the community, right? Like you have high rises, you have mid rises, you have residential areas, you got urban, you have water, you have, um, you know, the beach. Like there's just so much opportunity, you know, that I look at for for you to get into a lot of different predicaments, <laughs> and uh, and training yeah. for those things. You you know you you have a lot of responsibility. I talked to a guy the other day about being a professional firefighter. And it sounds so like quacky, but it's it's so true, man. It, it's our responsibility to show up and be professional. So in regards to that acquired structure about the rules and you've got to, all the, 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 the little nuances, at the end of the day, for someone that is going to demolish a building or is going to renovate a building, and before they do that, letting the fire department come in, it's a simple sell, I think. 
And the sell is, is we are professionals. We're not going to come in here and vandalize the building. What are the rules? What are the limitations? What don't you want us to do? And we'll, we'll keep it at that. And I think people forget that we are professionals and the people forget are us. Like you need to walk that line, like be a professional, right? Who's the, who's the building owner, right? You need to have the ability to communicate and explain what our mission is. Hey, listen, the ability for us to come in here and train is going to vastly improve our ability to operate on scene when something is really, really bad. Something bad has happened. We can come in and, and make the situation better. And, uh, I love acquired yeah. structures, man. The ability to put yourself in a building that is real and you haven't been in before, right? When here at Palm Beach County, we have a regional complex that is phenomenal, right? It's great. But the problem is, is people get accustomed to what the building is. And like, like everybody knows, you play the prop, right? You play the prop and it's, it's really a disservice. I think there's no, there's no cars in front of the building. There's no trees. There's no power lines. Like all the little things that make you think as a firefighter. And we, we train firefighters up. And everybody that I, I train with and, and I, I, I get the opportunity to help or teach, I develop the thinking mindset. And I think we've lost that as a fire service. We kind of just got into the target solutions, the checks and boxes, and just the, 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 the check marks. Just knock it off, right? You got to be able to think because more than likely you're going to be put in a situation where what you trained on is not the scenario. Similar, yeah. but that that one technique does not work in this in this instance. So I, I love that man. I love you know a guy like you with the passion you have in the training division affecting the department is what we as a fire service need. And um, I, I got to ask you, your guys under you, how do you how do you operate with them? What is your expectation uh yeah so whenever i mean it's a brand new position um they've been wanting it for a while uh, and again part of being a growing department we don't have a training facility yet um thankfully our chief was able to work with our state uh representative we were able to secure secure a million dollars towards a project that already has two million so we're gonna have about three million dollars we're sitting on to get what we want so like you said, it's, it's, well, it's going to be a multi-story connex to begin with. And then we're going to expand to, you know, our confined space and hazmat and all that stuff. But the expectations I have for my guys is I said two things I expect from you, uh, go to every fire and then build relationships. So I feel like relationships at, at that level of representation is more important than trying to prove something. I mean, you can go out there and we've all been to those instructors that they'll sit there and rattle off numbers and tables and charts and all these other things. But at the end of the day, if you're not sitting there proving or living or trying to be there for the guys, you know, the, the number one job or the number one uh, requirement that we have in leadership and in any division that's not operations is support operations. So if they're out there and they're, they're drinking coffee with the guys, they're eating meals, they're meeting them, you know, just to bring something to them. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Because knowing that we're not as restricted, maybe as a battalion who has logistics stuff to worry about or truck movements and all those other things. But with us, we're, and again, my, my, my division chief, Chief Robinson, has given us a lot of free range of his expectations. I want you to run calls. And then you need to be the safety officer while you're there, but run calls. So the priority, like we said, with the culture is we're expecting to go to a fire. And then we're, that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little too aggressive. And I'll admit that we're a little bit too aggressive on some things. But the aggression mindset that we've had allows us to be put in positions to make effective change. So 
the expectations I tell my guys, have a relationship, go to fires. If you have the opportunity, mentor. So one of my training lieutenants, we have a couple new uh, new company officers and he goes to the station once a shift and he just sits down with the officer. Hey, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? Is there anything? So being there, not just this is what we're doing, but what do you need? That reciprocal is really where uh, I feel the training division um, that we, we can provide an impact for change. You know, I had the influence over three guys on my company that, you know, if I said something, I have the authority and I have, you know, the permission of the county, all those to do it. But now I really have the effect of change as a member of the training division in order to be able to affect change for almost 350 people. So that's that's a lot of responsibility. But I also feel it's a lot of proving to say, you know, I'm trying to sell my job to the next guy. I, I'm not planning on being in this position forever. But if I make it so difficult or so looked down on or that's that safety guy that, oh, here he comes, put your gloves on. If I've created that mindset, then we're getting away from the other side of my job, which is the training mindset. So and as you said, with our diversity and stuff, it's just very hard to sit there and, all right, we're going to train on this today. Here's the application. And, you know, like like some of the mindset, too, that uh, in the books I read and some of the podcasts I listen to is, you know, if you know the way broadly, you can apply it in all things. So if I say search and rescue, my, my newest thing that I like to tell the guys is everything is an algorithm. So you think about like, you know, from the paramedic side. So if I have a cardiac arrest, here's your cardiac arrest algorithm. Well, if I have search and rescue, I have search and rescue. Well, am I searching for a victim? Am I searching for uh, a downed fireman or am I searching for fire? So as I'm going through, all right, I'm looking for a downed fireman. So now from here, what are my choices? Is the past device going off or do I need to find them? Now we're kind of rolling over into the other algorithm of just regular search. I come across them. Uh, one thing we're trying to instill, we say mayday, mayday, mayday. We say urgent, urgent, urgent. What we're trying to now do is also for the baseline of the department, victim, victim, victim. And then we identify who you are. So it would be victim, 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 engine or yeah, engine 16 nozzle victim. Well, then everybody on the fire ground knows based on the sequence of arrival, engine 16 was second in the doing a search. When they made entry, they said par of two, making entry for a right hand search. So then now the entire house is broke down to this area that those guys need help. They do their assessment. They find out what's going on. We'll be removing from the Charlie side. Well, as command, all right, OV team, go around to the back and assist them. The extra drivers that are doing other jobs go and assist them. And, you know, the video that we have of uh, firefighter Jeff Fangman and Lieutenant Daniel Mills making a grab on a structure fire that most people, and I'll, I'll flat out say most people wouldn't have gone in on, was because we had that mindset and they made a successful grab from it. Uh, they did a VES. There was no door. The victim was on the path to the fire. And because of that, that we will always make sure there's nobody in there. And the arrival sequence, the ladder truck comes in. They did the search. They were second due. Uh, and by doing so, it gave a positive outcome for the young man that we pulled out. Um, and, you know, I was uh, going through my acting battalion chief training at the time. And whenever we got there, I mean, everybody's hustling. And that's that's a normal day in Escambia. Everybody's running. There is running on the fire ground, but it's controlled because we know what our job is to do. So the idea and, you know. Uh, I may or may not got in trouble when I first became a safety officer, safety second, don't die. Um, the idea that is, you know, it's the control, like we said at the beginning of if I increase the reps, I increase the physical capability, I increase the confidence in the guys, then your safety factor goes up more and more and more. You know, a person that carries a gun for a profession doesn't think the gun is dangerous. It's when the gun's not being utilized or being trained on that it becomes dangerous. Same thing with us. If we're not used to running on the fire ground, then our heart's not ready for that two o'clock in the morning wake up where we have to be pressured. We've pulled kids out. We've pulled uh, elderly out. We've pulled adults out. 
But if we're not ready for that physically, and I know the mindset that, that you and I both share is I don't expect people to be, you know, the, the, the ultra marathoners like you. And I don't expect them to be, you know, a lot of other things. But I do expect them to understand. And people have asked me, well, what's your level of expectation for fitness? And I said, I want you to be able to look at my wife in the eyes and tell her you did everything physically, mentally that you were capable to do. If you can do that, lay your head down at night, then you're in shape. So, you know, that that's the standard that I have. And, you know, the, the expectation for my guys um, you know, us in the training division, not unknowingly, uh, we've all been trying to get a little bit better in shape. Uh, my, my division chief has lost over 25 pounds. Um, I've lost quite a bit. Um, all three of my guys also go to the gym and they go to the gyms at the fire stations too, to, again, if I say go work out, but if I'm in there working out, firemen are going to be firemen. It's like, Hey man, what are you doing? Oh, come on. So now we live what we're preaching. So then you have that relationship for when we do have to make those hard conversations. Right. Yeah. Um, so much, so much to, to pull apart there. The first thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Right. Not, not, no, don't be sorry. You're, you're, you're crushing it. The first thing I want to talk about is the hustle mentality. I think we've gotten in this, the fire department, we always get carried away and go too far right or too far left, but no running on the fire ground. Nobody expects some idiot in bunker gear with a ladder or set of tools to be running on scene. But what is expected from the public, because they don't know any different, is hustle, right? Urgency. And I'm going to tell you right now, walking is not urgent. (laughs) If my house is on fire and my kids, my wife, my dogs are in there and you are walking, I know for a fact two things. Your level of fitness is not up to par and your level of or your skill set is not up to par either because you don't know the job that needs to get done, nor do you have the fitness to go do that job. And it's it's always baffled me. And I was I was brought up by wolves in the fire service that safety was number three on the priority list. The two the first two things were be badass, do the right thing. And then safety third, right? So the two things that we, we do before the that is is the most important. But you said it just right, man. Your safety increases when you are good at your job. Tactically, physically, from a mindset perspective. At that point, you are way safer than some quack coming along and saying, we have to be safe, guys. That, that Like, words don't mean anything. Like, actions or, or what yeah. really takes, takes us to the promised land, right? Your actions before that fire. Yeah. Have you trained? Are you physically fit? Are you mentally locked into the possibility that you might not go home, right? So you need to be prepared in the best the, the, the best case scenario that you go in, I did everything I can before I got here to go home to my family, right? And, yeah. and a lot of times too, I mean... Yeah. Go ahead. Guys haven't... Because of our exposure to fires and we do have a low income, a lot of low income areas. And, and I think the mindset is, and unfortunately, there was several years in training academies across the state that told firefighters they were more important. And the unfortunate part is new firefighters are sponges and they picked up on that. So when they said no running on the drill field. So then now what do they do when they get onto the real field? We haven't had those guys that have the mom screaming in the front yard my baby's in there and the look of just sheer terror on her face. 
Do you really think that you walking up to the scene and I'll get to it when I can and, well, it doesn't look safe for me to go in and all that? Tell her that when she's crying on the side of the road. That that BES that we had where the grab was, when uh, the mom actually pulled up why we removed him to the seaside and started doing immediate compressions on him. The scream that she made is only a mother would make when she saw her baby. But when we were done, he was in the hospital. She cried and hugged every single person on scene, knowing that we risked our lives for a complete stranger because we were ready. So until you you put yourself in that mindset of why am I doing this workout? Why am I walking around in gear? Why am I going the extra mile to better myself every day? Think if that was your mom screaming in the yard because you're stuck inside. How much harder would you push yourself through that workout? How much harder would you push your crew to it? My expectation, my crew was either you work out or we're going to do drills that you work out, but we're going to show up ready. Yeah, it's there's been a disconnect in the fire service across the country. Um, whether the disconnect is it'll never happen or the individuals just quite frankly don't care. Right. And yeah, I tell people it's not a matter of, of if it's a matter of when. Right. Because it's, it's going to happen. Um, and, and it's just being being prepared for that moment. So I want to transition, man. Um, been nothing but fire so far, but I want to talk to you about the uh, the, the frog, the, the the Florida operations Rick group that you guys have created. Um, where did that come from, man? Talk to me about it. Um, talk to me about your your role in it. And uh, I love it. I think uh, we, we talk shit because we 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 want it every month, right? We want a competition every month. We yeah. know how much work yeah. it is. Um, but talk talk to me about it. Yeah, one of one of the uh, the humbling things that I've done is, is you know doing that, having a bunch of Type A stud firemen come out and all compete for you know a trophy, and we all know it ain't the trophy that we're bragging about. So, right. um, so back in uh, uh, was it two thousand like two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine? Um, my volunteer chief uh, in the community that I live, I live in a pretty rural area, uh, you know, twenty one acres, lots of animals. Um, the volunteer chief was very active with the Florida Fire Chiefs. Um, so they were doing, they were getting back to what they call the quarterly, uh, fire chief sponsored training. So we'd go around, we went to Mariana, we went down to Indian uh, river. We went over to right outside of Hillsborough and a couple of other places. And we were doing, uh, my buddy, Brandon Clutter from Orlando, we were doing a rip class. So it was just basic stuff, how to do conversions, get people upstairs. A lot of the just basics of, and again, the mindset back then, which is not even knowing about it was get everybody to a baseline. Then we can expand to other things. So the fire chiefs would uh, have us travel around and Brandon and I would teach that class. And then um, there was other guys that had like hybrid class, stuff like that. Well, down in Indian River, we met a guy from Martin County. That name was Jeff Alter. And Jeff was the training chief. He was a deputy chief. He, you know, I think at the time he had over 30 years in the fire service. And his idea was, well, if we want to get guys doing this, why not make it a competition? They had the ALS competition. They had some of these other ones. And his idea was, well, if we can take these guys and put them in a maze that we create, we can simulate the stress that's involved during a competition or during a normal uh, Mayday event. And, you know, something that we've preached over the years, too, is RIT is just a culmination of skills. It's search and rescue. It's survival. It's um, firefighter or victim removal. It's, you know, been inserted. There's a lot of factors to it. All you're doing is combining again in that algorithm of where you apply it. So uh, we had our first competition in uh, Daytona at Fire Rescue East. Um, I want to say it was 2010. 
and we had a, a total of seven teams. Seven teams showed up, um, and it was still kind of one of those, well, how do we do this? Do we make the rules? And again, firemen being firemen, well, if we set the rules, what are firemen going to do? For the next 364 days, they're going to figure out how to break the rules or <laughs> bend the rules. So, uh, you know, we had a strong showing, uh, and we grew and grew. And, you know, um, in 2015, we were picked up by Firehouse Magazine, and we went to Pennsylvania and Tennessee and some other places to kind of promote the competition. But we always home based out of Florida, knowing that that was the original intent was to make Florida firefighters better. So um, this last year, uh, well, our, our biggest year um, right before COVID, we had a total of, uh, I think, 33 teams. And that's five guys on each team. And, uh, you know, January in Daytona. And one of the biggest uh, proud moments that I had was a lot of teams will have an alternate. So, you know, they have the five guys and they have the one just in case. You know, the guy gets mandatory, the guy has a family emergency, whatever the case is. We took a team of five alternates, put them on the competition because we were going to give them the chance to still run it and put their skills to the test. They placed seventh, seven out of 30 teams. So when you talk about the baseline being raised, to us as the group, we saw that that was probably the culmination of what our target was for the time, which was get everybody to that level. We had guys from North Florida, Central Florida, South Florida, Panhandle, all those on this team. But that since they all had trained on those basic skills, the application of the skills is at the competition level. So this next year will be our 11th year. Um, we were already, uh, you know, we just did our competition back in May down in uh, West Palm area. And, uh, we, we decided that, you know, 10 years, it's time to change some things. So we'll be moving the, the course, um, making it a little bit more applicable to as the fire service changes, lessons learned. And the other proud thing that I would say is, you know, I'm the, I'm the head judge for it. So, you know, we, I get to determine uh, what the final is. And every final that we've ever done is based on a line of duty. And it's also uh, not just a way to remember people. And if you've, if, if you've ever been there, and I know you've been there numerous times, but we have the posters hanging up that tell the story, that give the lessons learned, that give a summary of what happened. Because if we're not learning the lessons from those guys that, whether by choice or not, made some bad decisions, had decisions made outside of their control, they lost their lives. And, in you know, back to the, the two line of duties that we've had, it's, it's they're still a lot of sore points from it. One of the ones we did was from November 25th of 2000, Maurice Bartholomew. Uh, I, I joined Pensacola September 3rd of 2003. When I left in 2009, there were still people that were very, very, they would just talk about Maurice and they'd start crying. So the effects of these line of duties really have long-term uh, impacts on us. So what our mindset was is what are some skills that we can do in a blindfolded environment that can recenter us on this person gave their life for us to be able to learn this. So every year we do a, a different line of duty that's associated with that. Yeah, man, it, uh, that, that group, this, this event that you guys have created, um, I've got buddies all across the country, right? And uh, they see me post the training and stuff. And, and what is that? And I'm like, hey, man, we have a, a, a group here that puts on a competition and uh, they're so intrigued by it and, and, I, I really wish this was a national thing, like the extrication team that has gotten. I think one day it'll get there. Um, but as far as Florida goes, anybody that's listening, guys, get a group of guys, train, and show up to this competition. You're going to see uh, your your level of of, of, of skill set will will be higher, right? The, you'll be put in a position where you have to display your skills under pressure. And I think 
Yeah. We're not going to fires every day. So we don't have that ability to do to do that. And and you guys have presented that and we right. love it. Um I, I've talked about, you know, stepping away from the RIT team and I just love training. I love being a better firefighter. I love doing hard things, obviously. And it's hard. I mean, there's there's no <laughs> no events buts about it. That course is hard. The final is hard. And I just I love being humble, right? I love thinking I'm a certain level firefighter, getting in that we got a course down here in South Florida built, getting in that course and realizing I got some work to do. You know what I mean? Whether it's air consumption, whether yeah. it's speed, whether it's technique, all three of those things you, you can you can grow, you can improve. And as far as relatability, and, and I love teaching, you know, the new guys on the team and, and guys in the department. There's a difference between training for the competition and training for real life. Absolutely. And we never get carried away with the competition mindset. We'd rather not do as well in the yeah. competition, but be able to apply the skill set directly to the field than just train for the competition and, and then not have any applicable skills from yeah, it. Play the I think it's a, it's a line, yeah. right? It's, it's a fine line. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, with, with having guys that come down and we're starting to see, you know, some of the guys that have done it for several years, they pass it on. And, and you talk about, you know, um, the culture within that department, everybody knows who's on the RIT team. And most of those departments that come down, all you have to do is say, yeah, I went to the competition. Oh, well, you know, and then they would give the person's name. And, you know, for us to know that, that that's what's taking off, you know, it, and the whole point that Chief Alter was trying to make was getting guys back into the training mindset. At the time, it was really big on this is during that, that that time we talked about where, oh, well, the, the, the firefighter comes first and all these other things. But with his experience and his years of service, it was like, no, we need to get back to being firemen. We don't need to worry about extrications. That's part of the job. But you got hired to be a fireman, not to be an extrication paramedic. So the, the, this mindset that we have to be more firefighter centric is what it needs to be. And we have the opportunity to do those other things. And most places we have the, the requirement to do those things. But at the end of the day, when you look at the first line of your job description, every job description says the ability to suppress fires. I mean, if you're not training for that, then everything else is frivolous. And, you know, the only stress that we put on people that we actually put on people during the competition is a clock. That's the only competition stress. Everything else is I want to prove myself. I've got my department name on my back. I've got my tail flap saying my name on it. So I want to do my us proud. And, you know, just like with a lot of the other things. It's when you put yourself out there, sometimes it's a big slice of humble pie. We had a team one year that took over three minutes to get the force real entry door. Their chief was watching them take three minutes to get to the forceful entry door. Their chief then went over and bought the door that we were using from the vendor and took it back. So sometimes you don't really understand. I mean, in a training environment, you can sit there and create whatever scenario you want in order to meet whatever that training officer or company officer wants. So if he's not good at forceful entry, guess what you're probably not going to train on versus putting yourself out there for classes and sessions and conferences and competitions. You're putting that stress on yourself. And that's the best determinant of your capability. Absolutely. bro. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, I could talk to you for hours. I like to keep it short because the, the firefighters attention span is very small. And uh, yep, I, I want to thank you for your passion, your knowledge and um you know, your time today. So appreciate you, man. Thanks. Uh,
keep your head in the game, man. You're doing great. You're doing great things for the whole Florida and across the country. And, uh, you know, if you're ever up in the panhandle, come ride with me and I'll take you to some jobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely.